as the pastors were designing this series months ago, hashtag BUMC, we wanted to make sure that we talked not just about the United Methodist Church as a whole, not just the big UMC, we also wanted to talk about our UMC. We wanted to talk about the people of this congregation. And so as you've been seeing, Sunday after Sunday, we wanted to make sure to invite people of our church, of our congregation, who are uh, in the midst of these beliefs and practices, who are embodying them and experiencing them, that we see how it is that these are not just thoughts and beliefs that sort of exist as a denomination, but we are practicing the practicing them here in our community of Lakeland. And so as we were talking about grace, and particularly how big that word is in the United Methodist Church and uh, how we see it through the United Methodist Church, we had uh, a lot of memories of confirmation class. As we've seen confirmands and students go through this experience, uh, we talk a lot about grace, prevenient, justifying, sanctifying, Confirmation is a great time to be able to do this because it embodies that idea that uh, a youth, when they become of age, makes that decision for themselves to go deeper and to take that next step in their faith and in their practice for themselves, how they wish to continue to live this out. Well, last year, Taylor Wright was one of our confirmants. She preached at our last confirmation worship service. We invited her to tell uh, us a little bit about her story and her experience. Let's take a watch. Hi, my name is Taylor Wright. Um, I'm 13 years old and I go to Lawton Childs. I did confirmation in fall of 2021. It was a little different because you're going in on Wednesday nights and then you're with a group of kids your age, then not just a bunch of different ages. And you were just continuously learning about all these new things. I used to just see it as like a boring thing to go to. Like when I was younger, I would go to my dad's church. So like, I was like, ah, boring. Like to go listen to someone talk. But then like now as I'm getting older and going through confirmation, it's not just like about listening to like, just like hearing them talk. It's about like listening to what they're talking about and like what they have to say, not just they're talking, like what Bible stories, how they can relate to your life and how they can help you through times. Well, when we talked about grace from confirmation, it was kind of, we used uh, a house example where you had like, Provenient grace was walking in like the sidewalk and then you had like going into the house and looking at the house So they kind of like showed us through that and that helped us understand more Some Christians live out by checking off boxes like I'm going going to Sunday school going to Bible study going to church and all of this stuff and but Grace says that God has already checked off all those boxes for you Just like you don't need to do all this stuff like you don't need to do anything more to have that like it's just always going to be there everyone is welcomed since everyone has grace everyone should be welcomed regardless like everyone should be welcome like no matter what everyone should just be welcome in the united methodist church i'm glad to know from taylor that we are not always uh, as boring as i sometimes wonder we are <laughs> But, you know, when we are examining grace, who better to talk to us about it than one of our youth? 
And so as we look at the big three, the, the, the way that we are able to experience God's grace through the lens of the United Methodist Church, we have those three large pillars, prevenient, justifying, sanctifying. Prevenient grace is that grace we experience before we even realize we are experiencing it. It's, it's to help us to see that grace is not transactional. It's not a cause and an effect. God is going to bestow and give to be that grace whether we realize it is happening or not. And I love how Taylor put it in her story. Everyone should be welcomed because everyone has grace. And I think for me, hearing the way that Taylor articulated it, it sort of helped me to see something I think I already knew. I just, I I sort of saw it in, in a new way. Because we have grace, because it is already given to us, we cannot lose it. If God gives it to us, then we cannot lose that grace. And this kind of goes into what Paul is writing in that famous letter, uh, chapter 5 of the letter of Romans, as he's talking about the, the peace that we can have and also what it means to step into that. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been made righteous through God's faithfulness, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through God and we boast in the hope of God's glory. But not only that, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This hope does not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Grace has nothing to do with earning and everything to do with giving. Giving out of mercy and of love. And so in baptism, which is one of our two holy sacraments in the United Methodist Church, encompasses the fullness of that grace of God as we understand it, because we see that God gives this gift out of love, and it is also offered to us at all times, at all ages, at all points of life, even when we don't see it or even when we don't understand it. That is why we accept and celebrate baptism at all ages, whether it is the baptism of an infant or a child, or we also have that opportunity to remember our baptism at whatever age. In justifying grace, that second pillar, which embodies that moment that we see and we begin to participate in that grace, we realize that we, too, have a part to play. Which is why we hope in baptism for that infant or for that child who is baptized, they will continue to grow in their faith alongside their family, but also alongside their faith family and community. And then, one day, make that decision for themselves to continue to go deeper which is why we celebrate confirmation. And then, as we come to understand that third piece of God's grace, sanctifying, we see that once we have experienced it, the hope is that it, it, it ignites that drive in us to experience it again and again and again, as many times and as in many ways possible. And so we practice continual worship. We practice continual study. We practice continual fellowship, continual service, continual giving, continual discipleship. Not because these are the membership dues 
of a church, or even to keep us in line with God, checking off those boxes, as Taylor put it. The hope is that these practices and these experiences draw us closer to God's grace. It's like Bill Murray said in the movie Scrooge, if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. The path of sanctifying grace leads us back to that original image of humanity God had in the moment of creation when God looked upon everything and called it, called us good, very good. We are that outward visible sign of an inward spiritual grace. And this grace ignites that draw within us to go back, to get back to that original image, but also to continue to be that outward visible sign for each other and for the world. And we know that these can seem like big words, big ideas, big theologies. So do we have to go to seminary? Do we have to read a lot of books to understand the United Methodist interpretation of grace? It is as simple as it is powerful, especially when we are in need of that grace, especially when we are at the end of our rope, especially when we are overwhelmed, especially when we think that no one hears us, no one sees us, no one understands us. This grace can be shown by anyone. The film Spider-Man 2 goes deep into this idea of who am I supposed to be and what am I supposed to do? Peter Parker is trying to do the right thing with the gifts that he has been given because when he was given these gifts at the beginning, he squandered them. And because he made a mistake, someone who was deeply close to him died as a result. And so he thinks he has to continually save the entire world to devote his entire life to fixing that one mistake. He thinks if he can save as many people as possible, it will somehow wash away and clean that mistake that he made. And so as a result, he is always exhausted. He has no time for his studies. He has no time for his friends, his family. He thinks that he is not able to be with the one whom he loves because he has to sacrifice all of that to pay for this one mistake. And the worst part of it is he can't talk to anyone about it because he can't tell anyone who he really is. He's alone. But one day, as he's thinking about all of this in his apartment, he's visited by one of his neighbors. Let's see what happens. Am I not supposed to have what I want? What I need? What am I supposed to do? Oh, I shouldn't have without knocking. Come in. Hi. Hi. Um, would you like a piece of chocolate cake? Okay. And a, and a glass of milk? That would be nice. Okay.
you. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, got a message. It's your aunt. I remember a lot of people asking why that scene even needed to be in the movie. What was the point? How did it further the plot? There was no action. Some responses were that it was just a chance to have a quiet moment. It was just a, a chance to breathe. But I think it is an example of the kind of grace that we are called to live out. On the one hand, we might assume that this neighbor just showed up at Peter's door with the intention of offering cake, which by itself is gracious and thoughtful, just to have the intuition that, well, maybe this would help if only for a moment. But the note that she gives Peter at the end of the scene, she had it with her at the beginning. When she opens the door, she has that note in her hand. That's why she shows up in the first place. She comes to give him the note, but in that moment, she notices something. She notices him, notices his struggle, sees his pain, his loneliness, and her response is to offer him cake. Grace can be in the simple things because the true grace is to be, to be with. Last week, Christy Moore, who's our director of children's ministry, told myself and a lot of our staff a story of something that happened at the back-to-school bash last week. It was on our front lawn. It was outside. There were all of these games. There was food. And, of course, it was for uh, kids and families, parents, everybody who is getting ready to go back to school. In the midst of this, Christy met an individual who just came on our campus for the very first time. And after just a few moments, Christy realized that this person was homeless. She had a giant backpack over her back, and she just kept saying over and over again, I just need help. Christy said she wasn't necessarily needing anything, but she was looking for something. And then Christy put it so beautifully. She said, I just sat down on the ground with her. I sat down on the ground with her. And just listened. And I offered a hot dog. And that was it. But in that moment, that was everything. That is grace. Grace is telling a Samaritan woman that she does not have to go to the well alone on the hottest day. Grace is telling workers who have not been hired by anyone else that they will be paid the same wage as those who have stable employment for that day. Grace is telling a boy who has run away from home and squandered everything that he still has a home to come back to. And to an angry brother, they still have a home to be a part of, and they always have. Grace is telling a criminal that they will be with the Lord today in paradise. To be United Methodist is to extend the gift of grace through acceptance, through affirmation, through forgiveness, through mercy, through open minds, open hearts, open doors. If this just remains a mission statement or a slogan, 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we post. It doesn't matter what our theology is if we do not live it out. We must live grace if we are to be UNC. This may be the greatest part of our calling. If we can authentically live out the grace of God, we will be the United Methodist Church God has always meant us to be. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we are thankful for a full and robust theology of grace, which helps us to see how it is that you are alive and at work in so many ways before we see the moment we realize and the draw to move forward. But help us to know this not only in words. May we know it in our actions. May we know it in our practice. May we know it in our life. May we be able to share and to show this grace, not just in word, but in action, in life. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As United Methodists, it is important for us to know and to be familiar with the expansive ways that grace abounds. The prevenient grace, justifying, sanctifying. However, that's not what's going to connect with people. It is when we live this grace out, when we see how it is that God's grace is all around it, even before we acknowledge it, that it drives us to have that aha moment. And then more so, we go out into the world to practice and share so that in those moments, all we need to do is sit on the ground with someone in need. And when we do that, we exemplify and embody a God who in all grandness and all majesty is willing to sit down with us as well. That's who we are as United Methodists. So may we go in God's grace and may we extend that grace to the world. Amen.